This is the MLW Radio Network. What's going on, ladies and gentlemen? It's your boy, Blackheart, the head honcho off the Top Roast Podcast. If you love independent and professional wrestling and like all the juicy gossip of the wrestling industry, then look no further than here, OTTR Headquarters. You can catch us on Facebook, Twitch, and Facebook groups, and whatever that you get your podcast from with our, with our latest Last Week of Wrestling, After Darts, Under Boss's Hard Taste, and now a new upcoming trivia game show, Wrestling Every, coming soon. So if you like what you've seen, you love professional wrestling, you love independent wrestling, you love everything about wrestling just yourself, give us a tune. You know, you would not regret it. Blackheart out. Everyone knows a lot of things can change in the span of 10 years. But when it comes to professional wrestling podcasting, one thing is still guaranteed. The Shining Wizards is the only place to get all the latest wrestling news, interviews with the greatest guests, and of course, tons of laughs in discussing the world of wrestling. The show is still available on Monday nights at 7 p.m. East on RantDMRadio.com and Rant Entertainment Media on the TuneIn app. And it's still available on all podcasting platforms. To check us out, head over to ShiningWizards.com where it's still wrestling talk and talk about wrestling. Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, and good night. My name is Thomas, and what's your name? Uh, I'm Alan. Alan. Oh, yeah, yeah, oh, yeah, yeah. We're brothers. That's right. Yeah, yeah the mother, same mother and father. Your room was. Oh, we shared a room. Shared a room. For we right? shared a room. I thought I knew your face. Yeah, we go we? way back, mate. Yeah. yeah, we should do a podcast then. Uh, we have. We do. We do a podcast. We do a podcast. What's it called? The Broadcast. Yeah, that was planned. Yeah, yeah. Well, what do we do? Well, we cover all different things in the world of pop culture. We're talking about comic books, we're talking about professional wrestling, and we're talking about movies. Go back and watch classic retro wrestling events, the likes of WWE, WCW, and if you do like that, you can check us out on Apple iTunes, also on Podbean, Anchor, and on Podknife. Also check us out on Twitter, at The Broadcast. That's B-R-O. Okay, yeah, yeah. Hey, the ending. Hey, it's all right. Good on you. Yeah. Instagram also at the broadcast podcast. Remember, we don't spell it with a C. We spell it with a K. Sorry, mate. Take it easy. Welcome to another episode of Front Row Material brought to you by the MLW Radio Network and the Front Row Material brand. Guys, I am so excited. I've gotten to do a lot of interviews with different people from all walks of life in wrestling, whether it's Lucha Libre. We are going to go and explore a little bit more about what death wrestling is. But it's not just that. This one is with no rings. A lot of people out there nowadays who've started to do this type of genre. But there's only one person that I would go to to talk to about what is the origin of this and how this whole thing got started. Casanova Valentine is joining me today. You might have seen him on his documentary on Vice, which I found to be absolutely fascinating. He articulates it very, very well. Veteran of pro wrestling, let's go ahead and let's bring Casanova Valentine in. How you doing, buddy? The Bushwick Antichrist! The scumlord of the underground, the creator, the original, the goddamn pioneer of the no ring deathmatch, Casanova Valentine is here. <laughs> You know what? If if anyone knows how to sell themselves, my friend, you definitely do. It's uh, <laughs> wrestling is one of those things that is larger than life. But I think the genre that you do, the genre really that you created, that I fell in love with when I saw your documentary on Vice, in which probably the world saw, 
was something that really opened my eyes. So I was really excited when I got the chance to hear that you had a, a moment in your schedule to to sit down and talk with us. Well, thanks so much for having me. That's very flattering. I, I really appreciate that. So um, I'm just I'm here to uh, tell your audience about me, and hopefully they like what I do. If they not, maybe maybe someone they know will like it. So <laughs> we'll see. Well, I mean, I think you would agree. When it comes to wrestling, there's all different forms. There's all different genres. And it's just like a restaurant, right? Some people like Mexican. Some people like Thai. Some people like Italian. That's what really is drawing me to this because I feel like a lot of people, and let me know if you agree with this, a lot of people really look down upon deathmatch wrestling. Why do you think that that stigma exists? Well, I feel like with deathmatch wrestling there is some bad deathmatch wrestling like there is examples of really trashy bad but i feel like in any genre there's bad luchadors there's bad bad anything but there's also good versions of that i think the problem is people's first first time they see deathmatch is probably the the lower end you know what i mean so they just see the one clip of a guy getting hit in a tube or something and they just that informs their opinion but it's like anything. If you delve into it, there's good versions of it. You know what I mean? Like, I don't necessarily like country, but they're like, I love Hank Williams. You know what I mean? If it's good, it's good. If it's good, it transcends genre and it's just good. Uh, so I think people, they just have a negative connotation with it. They haven't seen good. Like, I, I try to equate it with, with um, I was talking with my friends. They're talking about how, like, Jim Cornette would hate me because, you know, I, I fight people in bars. There's no ring. But really, I care a lot about psychology. I care a lot about storytelling. Anyone who watches my matches knows, especially if you're really into wrestling, you can see the through line of the story I'm trying to tell within the match, even though it's in a bar, even though it's, you know. So I like to say, like I told one of my friends that talked to me about that, I go, anyone can swing a leg tube, not anyone can tell a story. Yeah, I'm telling a more violent story, and it's not so much bound in, you know, technical wrestling, mat wrestling, but I'm still telling a story. I'm still building towards things. I'm still doing things for a reason. I'm not just smashing the guy for smashing. And I'm making it make sense within the confines of a bar fight still, though. But I still really, I think if Jim Cornette sat down and talked to me, he liked me more than he'd think. You know what I mean? Like, I'm not just an on-train backyarder fighting people in a bar. You know, I actually consider what I do a craft. I consider what I do an art. So, um, you know, but to each their own, you know, it, it's wrestling. It's open for interpretation. I know I'm not for everybody. There's re there's types of wrestling that I personally don't enjoy, but I don't think it's lesser. I just know that it's just not for me. And, you know, I wish everyone would keep more of an open mind. You know, you, you, you can't look at a guy who does still life paintings and he looks at a Jackson Pollock painting and goes, there's no talent in that. You know what I mean? It's, it's just a different form of it. And to each their own, you know, um, all I can do is make the art that I make and convey the art I want to make with my performances with my body. And um, that's all I can really do. It's up to the viewer to say if they if they love it, they love it. If they hate it, they're entitled to hate it, you know. But uh, all I can do is make the art I make and be proud of what I make. And uh, hopefully like-minded individuals will see that. And I'll connect with them. They want to see more. Like hopefully you said you've just discovered me now. It's starting to click with you, and that's all I can help for, you know. So, uh, you know, we'll see. All I can do is keep doing me, and you know, the more you know, the more people are talking about it, the better. So, even if they hate it, you know, that's eh, all right. <laughs> Once again, like Vince McMahon says, there's no such thing as bad publicity. As long as they're talking, they're still yeah. talking. You still got them. Uh, you got them talking, and you've piqued their curiosity. Yeah. So, let me just kind of start off in the beginning here. You were obviously a wrestling fan. 
And mm -hmm. so tell me who you first liked during wrestling or how did you get introduced to wrestling itself as a form of entertainment? Well, I was my very first memory. The first memory I, I have is wrestling on TV. I that my first memory is of wrestling on TV. So I can't remember a time in my life where wrestling wasn't there. There like there has like wrestling has been a constant in my my existence. You know what I mean? Like I my first memory is wrestling. And I was very lucky that my older brother, I have an older brother who's 20 years older than me. So I'm the youngest of five kids. There's a bunch of us. We're, uh, we're raised Roman Catholic Italians, you know? So there's a bunch of us. But I had an older brother, so I was very fortunate that I had access to Bruiser Brody, I'll do The Butcher, like a lot of tapes that I probably wouldn't have got to see, you know? And then one night, my, my brother was babysitting me, and I was like 10, and ECW at 2 in the morning came on MSG Network, which is our local you know master score guard network in new york so um yeah i remember it was sabu versus psychosis tijuana deathmatch i'm like i was like deathmatch oh is he gonna die and i you know not knowing you know and then i since then since from that night when i was 10 i would put blank vhs tapes in record ecw tv and then i would go to shows at 10 years old 10 11 and tape trade with other kids and then from there i started getting an fmw and Mr. Pogo and Onita and uh, Tanaka, Hayabusa. And then from there, I, then I started getting IWA Mid-South and yes. Madman Pondo and Ian Ron and Too Tough Tony and like at like very young, you know? And uh, and then I just informed who I am, you know what I mean? So um, it's all their, basically it's their fault I'm covering scars. <laughs> I'm ripped in scars at 35. I don't know if you can see how scarred up my arm, my poor arms are. But, uh, wow. um, you know, it just... It formed who I was. I don't think I can't imagine a scenario where I would have not became who I am. You know, like I always wanted to be a pro wrestler ever since I was a kid. I always loved pro wrestling. I always loved violent characters. You know, I was always enthralled with Bruiser Brody and Bushwhackers and the Wild Samoans. Any kind of ah, brawly tough guy just appealed to me for whatever reason. Um, and I got a little bit later starting to professional wrestling because I just didn't know how to go about it. You know, like it wasn't like, I think now there's schools everywhere, but at the time I just wasn't, so I didn't start till I was like 25 or 26. I, I, I finally found a school, but it wasn't, you know, if I wouldn't found a place sooner, I would have started when I was 18. It just wasn't near me where I grew up, you know? So I'm glad I found my way. I felt very lost before I found pro wrestling because you know, I it was always what I was going to be. And I, it took me a little bit, but I eventually got there, you know. So um, I'm thankful I found my path in life. I'm thankful. I, I, some people never know what they want to be. I had it very easy. I, I knew what I wanted to be. I just had to figure out how to do it, and I did. And so here I am. You and me are talking right now because I chased it. So That's I must right. be doing something right. <laughs> I, there's so many people. It's so interesting you mentioned that. So many people. They spend their whole life and they bitch and complain and they talk about what they wish they would have done. And you can have all the money in the world, all the cars, but that will never, ever fill that void for those who never chase their dream. And for those who do chase their dream, it's a feeling that you can't even put into words. And it's it's something that fulfills you because you know you accomplished something that 99% of society will never find. And whether or not that leads to, to fame and fortune or, or whatever it may be, it's that interpersonal accomplishment. Would you agree? Yeah. You know, there is a very interesting life. You got to think of it. There, there's the pros and cons of it because sometimes I feel selfish. You know, I'll, I'll miss 
important things. I'll, you know, have hard time keeping relationships. You know, it's just, I'm on the road and I'm fighting and I miss a flight and, and I, I'm trying to get merged together. And, you know, it's sometimes I go, it's like, it's, it's, it's conflicting, you know, but you have to, you have to really go for it if you're going to make it, you know, it's like this hard, fine line between, am I being selfish, chasing it so hard and, is this the right path? But then it's like, I've already given so much time and energy. I got to see this through. And, you know, it, it's not easy. You know, it, it's really not easy. It's it's hard. It's fulfilling and also depressing sometimes. You know, it, it's really hard to say, all I know is that this is all I've ever wanted. And it's all I know. Um, I mean, I'm a bouncer in New York City. I, I'm a bouncer too. But like, I mean, I, I didn't grow up saying I wanted to be a doorman. I want to be a pro wrestler, you know. So I'm just doing what I have to take to make this happen, right or wrong. It's just, it's just what I was meant to be, you know. Um, but it is fulfilling. You know, like I, you know, it, it's hit or miss. Think of it like this: it's hard to see the forest from the trees, right? Absolutely. Sometimes I'm in the rut of being a pro wrestler. I'm like, oh, I got to make the city. Oh, this this manager ripped me off on this. I find, you know, you're trying to. And you're in the dumps and, but then sometimes like I just went to a wedding, a friend's wedding and they go, you did it, dude. You're a pro wrestler. This is all you ever talked about. You're one of our most successful friends. And I have to sit back and go, you're right. I do do it. You know, like that's the thing I always wanted to do. You know, like when you see ECW, like Sabu and Sandman and Tommy Dreamer, they were just guys living in Philly. You know what I mean? Just around the corner from the arena. So, you know what I mean? Like. I am doing what I always wanted to do, you know, and sometimes when you're in it, you lose sight of it. So it's always good to take a second, take a deep breath and realize, okay, I'm doing it, you know? Um, but it's not always easy. It's fulfilling and it's exciting and it's cool, but you know, it's hard, you know, like my ex-girlfriend lived in another country. I was on the road all the time. It just, you know, it's just hard sometimes, you know? Yeah, within wrestling, obviously, you know, you try to get your foothold in. Was it hard after you, you know, got trained and whatnot to try to get your foot in the door, especially knowing that was the type of genre you wanted to get into? Or did you find that there were definitely opportunities or did you find out, you know what, that the pickings were slim in the beginning? Well, here's what's interesting is I, I came up to uh, New York Wrestling Connection in Deer Park, Long Island, which was founded by Mikey Ripwreck. Okay, so it's the ECW original school. Um, he's the, he's, the, really he's one of the founders of uh, of our show right here. He and Jerry oh, yeah. Lynn. Yes. Hell yeah, dude. Uh, so Mikey Ripwreck's a great dude. Um, but a lot of really talented people come my, from my school. Tony Nice, Trent Beretta, Mike Mondo, Zack Ryder. A lot of like really talented wrestlers have come from my school. And even though it was ECW original school, it, it, it was in Long Island, there wasn't much. Even when I first broke in, I was more known as a hardcore guy for New York. But there's no death matches in illegal in New York. And so I was always like a street tough guy. But I knew I wanted to get in the death match was similar like finding a wrestling school. I didn't really know how to do it yet. I know that there was CZW in Philly. And I was just trying to get my way there. But I was just a local small name. So just trying to get them to take a chance on me didn't really happen. You know, it's hard. It, 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 I organically found my own unique way, which isn't the way most people make it, you know. And it's sometimes that's good for me, sometimes bad for me. Like you said, sometimes I'm a self-made guy, so it's intriguing. A lot of people like it, but some of the old school guys, they don't like that I made my own way. You know, sometimes it holds me back with certain people, you know. Uh, you didn't set up enough rings, you, you know. So it's, it, you know, it's no right or wrong answer. It depends on your perspective of it, you know. Um, I was a hardcore guy in New York. I really wanted to do death. I didn't really know how to get go about it. 
And it wasn't until I started doing my no ring shows and started getting popular for doing the no ring deathmatch shows. That's when people started approaching me. Like Masada asked me for a match. Matt Tremont asked me for a match. And eventually CZW hit me up to be in Tournament of Death. So I got there through my own means. You know, I didn't get there, start doing deathmatch for other people, then do my own, you know. I got myself noticed, and then from there, those doors open. So, I don't know. It's, it's just my own unique way of doing it, you know? Sometimes you got to blaze your own trail. And when you really know what you want to do, sometimes you just have to go ahead and say, this is what I'm going to be. So, the no ring concept, kind of walk me through the genesis of how did that kind of come together in your mind? How did you decide, okay, this is what I want to do. This is what I want it to look like. This is the atmosphere I want to kind of create. Well, it, there's, there's a couple parts to it. One is, when I first broke in, my wrestling school was Long Island, right? And I'm a bouncer in Brooklyn, in New York City. So, like, trying to get my friends to come see me wrestle, and I'm like, hey, guys, you want to come to, you know, uh, you know, Deer Park on a Saturday night and watch me wrestle in a brightly lit middle school gym? <laughs> and none, none of my cool friends would want to do that. Like, I'm not driving two and a half hours to Long Island, two and a half hours back. So initially it was just like, you know, because wrestling is accessible. You know, I wanted it to be cool. I wanted it to be like nightlife. I wanted it to be like a cool thing that you just go do your friends. But wrestling in this area wasn't like that. You had to be really be a fan to know about wrestling in New York. You have to seek it out. It's at some weird middle school or, you know, rectory or, you know, VFW hall. You know what I mean? It wasn't necessarily like a nightlife thing. And I thought that was strange. You know I mean? I was like, Here's this cool performance. How's it like we have burlesque in New York? We have all these big performances, all these big clubs. How come that's not here? So what I want to say is in Hood Slam, Hood Slam in in uh in Oakland, they have like weird wrestling. It's comedy based with cool characters, and I just always wish something like that existed in Brooklyn. I'm like, we're like the biggest city. How do we not have cool, weird oddity wrestling that's on public access and it's got puppets and it's weird? You know what I mean? So I <laughs> I. Always wanted to fill that kind of void, but you know, like anything, like breaking a school or making no rings, I didn't really, or getting the deathmatch, I didn't really know how to go about it yet. I knew that's, think of it like this it's a car, the car with the lights on driving at night. I don't, I know where I want to go, but I only can see this far ahead of me, you know? So I know that's where I want to go, but I'm just doing what I can to slowly get there, you know what I mean? So I, I booked an art show. I, I was a bouncer at this club called Tender Trap, and there was a gallery called Super Chief that used to curate shows in the back, and it still exists. There's Super Chief in New York, Super Chief in LA, and they do really cool, awesome art shows, graffiti and weird. It's kind of shit I'm into. And I got them to curate my art show. And this was 2016, and I was doing portraits of famous dead wrestlers. I did Bruiser Brody, I did Own Heart, and I did like uh, a video art thing of real in-ring injuries. Um... And so it's kind of like Dark Side of the Ring. Dark Side of the Ring, the art show, basically, is what I did. And I was trying to think of different ways to, different things to do. And I was like, you know what? I'm just going to wrestle someone in the back, just in the gallery as a performance art piece. And I'll just get another local wrestler and I'll wrestle them. And it would just be like a, an installation within the thing. So I did. You know, that, so the thing is, this whole no ring deathmatch is me traveling in this whole, I wasn't a plan. It was supposed to be just a one off art show. You know, um, I did the art show and it was just so successful, man. It just like blew up. There's so many people there. I sold all the paintings for a lot of money. <laughs> you know, like it just, 
I, I've done, I've tried, I've tried my hand in a lot of things. I always wanted to be a wrestler, but I was an animator for a while. Um, you know, I, 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 I try to work for Marvel Comics. I try to work for Rockstar Video Games. I do a lot of artwork. Um, I fell out of college. I try to play football. You know, like, uh, you know, you know. So it wasn't immediate. I always knew I want to wrestle, but I didn't know how to go about it. I tried my hand in other things and failed. And this was just the most successful thing I've ever done. And from there, people kept asking, "Oh, when's the next show?" And you know, I'd hand draw the flyers, I'd book the venue, I'd, and I used to be a, a club promoter too, early in my early twenties. So I knew how to book a club and get people to show up. And I was like, instead of trying to get everyone to come all the way out to see me wrestle in you know Nanuit, Long Island, why don't I just do a show where people already want to go in a busy nightclub in New York and get bands, get metal bands to play, and go-go dancers and make it the cool nightlife thing I always wanted to exist. So it kind of melded into this, the idea I always kind of had, you know? So now um, the original ones were just, had no name. They're just called Deathmatch 1, Deathmatch 2, you know? And then now I, I renamed it a promotion called New Fear City. So now I do New Fear City shows every other month in Brooklyn. I book bands, I book go-go dancers. I, I do no rings on the, on the road. I've done them in Vegas, LA. The UK, Australia, um, and I got very lucky. I just stumbled in. I stumbled into a genre I made for myself. <laughs> I just—it was a happy accident, man. I just think it's fascinating the fact that you know, for most people, it takes them traveling up and down the roads before they finally find something where they finally, you know, carve their own path. You know, but then then there's these rare one-offs who say, you know what? I'm going to carve my own path from the get go and I'm going to get people, you know, really into this. And the fact that you were, you know, not only the promoter, but you were the performer and you did all of these things. There's so much that goes into it. And, and that's kind of what fascinates me. So you were able to find a workaround when it came to, because death matches, obviously were not allowed in New York. So you New were York, able to yeah. find a, a go around with this, which it seems like that is an ingenious thing. You had to be really proud about that. Here's the person. Here, here's the thing on that is, some people will say that and say, you know, like look this loophole cast found, uh, but that wasn't necessarily the original idea. I, I truly believe performance for me. Performance art is art I can only convey with my body. Okay. Okay. And for me, pro wrestling is one of the oldest forms of Americana folk art. You got rodeo. You've got daredevils. You've got. Uh, you know, clowns, circus. you know, the circus. To me, it's just another form, magic. Uh, to me, it's just another form of, of, of like this weird Americana craft. You, you know what I mean? Um, so I truly believe that. Like, when I'm wrestling, even the person doesn't believe, or even, the, even if you don't believe in magic, but when I you come in that room and you see me getting beat up, you start feeling for me. And then when I start to come back, you don't even realize it, but you're cheering for me to, to come back. I... I've manipulated everyone's emotions in that room to get their sympathy, to get them to ride with me, to get them to feel for me, and to get them to be validated in my comeback, to see me get the, the bad guy, you know? like you, Even though you didn't even realize it, before you know it, you're standing up and cheering, you know? Me manipulating that room and getting you to emotionally care about me is art. It is, yeah. we, the fans in that room are just as much of the art being made as me. You know, I'm, we're all telling that, that feeling of the room chanting and cheering. 
that's, that's we all made that you, you, you know what i mean so i do believe it like it's not just me saying oh i, I make i make art you know i truly believe it within every fiber of my being that wrestling is art and, and is, a, is a craft you know um and it just so happened to work out that i could do blood and guts in brooklyn you know you know without the ring and you know have it being performance art you know a lot of people will say that, you know, deathmatch wrestling and whatnot can be reckless. But what I would say is it's probably the most careful laid out wrestling there is. And here's why. Because there is so many things that you have to be aware of and consciously aware of. Veins, arteries, this, that, taking care of the other person. There's so much more that goes into this. Uh, talk a little bit about just the fact of just trying to do the best you can putting on a great show, but also being consciously aware, hey, guess what? Mm. We got to be super careful because X, Y, and Z is going to be involved tonight. Absolutely. Like, uh, here's a good example. For my no-ring shows, outside looking in, if you don't know me, don't know anything about it, it looks crazy. With two guys covered in blood fighting in a bar, in a dirty punk rock bar. And it's like, what the fuck are these idiots doing? But really, I have two refs. I have one doing crowd control. One rough in the match, keeping everyone back. They know the spots are coming. They know when to back everyone up. I, you know, even I do it every time I do a show. I'm like, don't swing the tubes. They're going to go to the crowd. Bumps onto the tubes, or they, you know. Also, real quick, like some vets will be like, "Cast, you're ruining your career. You're bumping all the time." I'm like, really, I'm not. I'm walking and talking. It's, it doesn't get more Memphis than what I'm doing. I'm walking and talking and. You know, if we do a bump, it'll be for a door for the finish. You know, you know what I mean? I get so much more out of one chop across someone's chest because it's a tight room. Boom! Then these guys hitting destroyers and Spanish flies, you know, because it's intimate. They're in there with me. They're not – if I'm in a ring and then there's a guardrail and you're 18 feet, you know, 18 rows back, everything I have to do it has to be so big. But if you're in a tight room, shh, I quiet everyone down. I chop the guy. I got so much I got such I got such a proud reaction out of that. So if anything, I less is so much more for me. You know what I mean? I, I'm I'm popping the crowd with you know, if you watch a deathmatch show, especially predominantly the bigger deathmatch promotions now, they have to do so much because the deathmatch fans have seen so much. And they're doing a Spanish fly to sort through eight things of glass and you know you, my fans are casual fans. You know, they're just normal people that never seen this before. You know, they me just hitting a guy with a trash can is already huge. You know, ah. So for me, it's I'm telling simple stories for a new audience. You know, so it it, it all works out. You know, so um, it, it also really sounds like there's no unwasted moves, or mm -hmm. you know, there's no wasted uh, positioning or this or that. Everything seems to have its purpose and its place. And it's it's very interesting the way you know you you talk about how you know we got to be careful about the audience and this and that. It, there's so much I feel like that's probably running through your mind during one of your performances that it, it's a million times more than traditionally two guys in a ring. Oh uh, yeah, and uh, also I'll, I'll be the first to tell you uh, if you're reckless in the deathmatch community, you're not in it. Like it, I can I'm not going to name names, but there's some wrestlers that. They didn't have much of a career because they were just so reckless, you know, and they're just so like they don't want to want to work with you because you're reckless, you know, and just that how it goes. And you want to, you don't want a bad reputation. I, I had a, a match where um, 
I unfortunately hurt a guy with a forearm, right? And I throw thousands of forearms. I've been a person for 10 years, but just as bad luck that one night I caught the guy and it took me a while to dig myself out of that hole. You know, like, hey, be careful, Cass. He's a little stiff. You, you know what I mean? So it took me a while to get over that stigma, you know? Um, so you have to be careful. You, you want to be safe. You want people to want to work with you. Um, no one wants to book a person that they're reckless. You, you know what I mean? The whole point of this is to take care of each other. So we have so much more stress on us. You, you know what I mean? Like we're doing double the violence, double the danger. The percentages are so much higher, you know, you know what I mean? The last thing I'd much rather get hurt than hurt anyone. You know what I mean? I, the last thing I want to do is hurt anyone. So, uh, the, the key is to keep everyone safe, tell a story, make it fun and get color, but not scary color, you know, get a little color, but not like side bad cut. And, we can go on and do another show, you know. I can't make money if I'm hurt. I mean, I can. I'll wrestle through being hurt, but it sucks, you know. Like, so the goal is to not hurt each other, you know. So, um, you know, it, 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 there's, you know. And also, think of, I like to think of it like this. A lot, a lot, I go back to Jim Cornette, but Jim Cornette, those kind of guys that are real old school guys, and this needs to be real. This needs to be real, 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 real. They hate the acrobatics. They hate that style. If anything, deathmatch is as real as pro wrestling it can ever be. This is true. It, I mean, we're we're laying in all of our forms, all the cracks, all the blood, all the mutilation. I mean, if your whole point is it, it's not real, wrestling isn't real enough for you. I don't know how you can hate deathmatch wrestling because it is the. I've had. I'm a bouncer, right? I've been stabbed. I've been stabbed in my face. I've been shot at. Okay, in real life, my outside life. I've deathmatch wrestling. I've had death matches that hurt way harder than any real fight I've ever been in. You know what I mean? So, you know, if, if your whole thing is realism, you should love deathmatch because all the blood's real, all the pain's real. We're really, I mean, we're still trying to put each other through things safely, but you can't fake bar wear. You can't fake glass. Like, you just, it is what it is. It's a, it's a violent story that we're telling, you know? So, um, it's just how, one of those things, you know, how does one become comfortable and experienced with using certain, uh, accessories? You know, you talk about barbed wire or glass tubes or planes of glass or whatnot. Um, how is it just over time? Is it something that, you know, you just really study the craft a lot? Because I feel like one false step here and there, things could get definitely pretty, pretty sketchy and scary pretty, pretty fast. Um, I'll say this. Um, I like, just like my road into wrestling was different than everyone else's. I can't speak for other people's experience with deathmatch. Um, I, I'm a bouncer, right? Since I've been 17 and I told you I got stabbed all the way through my face. Um, I don't know, probably when I was 20, I had, pro, I had already debuted as a pro wrestler that did like a year. So probably 26. Then I got stabbed. And I had to miss like six months because it was so bad. Um, when I got stabbed, um, I got an infection in my face and I was in the hospital for two and a half weeks and it could have been potentially deadly because the infection, if it would have spread to my brain or my eye, um, and it was excruciating pain, uh, pain I've never felt before. And, and I'm not saying I'm not saying this sound like I'm the toughest guy in the world. I'm the toughest guy. It's not that. Listen, it all hurts. Barbara hurts. Some texts hurt. Glass hurts. But 
my, my idea of what pain can be is higher. You know, I'm like, this hurts, but I know what real hurt feels like. You know what I mean? So yeah. like, yeah, everything still hurts, but I know what it feels like to actually like suffer. You, you know, <laughs> like, so oh, that's a good, that's a good choice of words, pain and then suffering. Yeah. Suffering. Yeah. It's like, I, this, this is all pain, but my understanding of suffering is very high now. So after getting stabbed, after getting stabbed in the face, this isn't as rough on me. You know what I mean? Like, not that it doesn't hurt. I'm not downplaying it at all. It does hurt. But man, I've been stabbed all the way through my fucking face, dude. You know what I mean? It's going to wow. take a lot to hurt Casanova Valentine now. You know? <laughs> what are some of the guys that you feel like in the industry you just really gel with, you click with? You feel like you both are on the same wavelength as far as you know, the art you want to create and, and you just feel like, man, we are like, it's a symbiotic relationship here. Um, Right now, Hoodfoot's coming up really big. Uh, Hoodfoot's first death match was with me last 4th of July. So he hasn't even been a full year death match. And he's already in TOS from GCW. He already did XPW's first death match tournament. He fought Necro Butcher and he, he did all the ICW pay-per-views now. And me and Hoodfoot, uh, we just, it's very easy to wrestle him. Um, it's, it's right there. And then we kind of just get each other. And now we've wrestled multiple times. We've tag team before we've done two tag team matches and it's very easy. Sometimes it's interesting how wrestling is. Some people you just don't gel with for every reason. It's not right or wrong. Some people just, no chemistry. you know, I just had some matches recently where I was just, kind of rough call matches with a guy. I'm like, what do you want to do? Like, I don't know. I'm like, well, what do you want to do? You know, like, so sometimes it comes naturally. Sometimes it doesn't. You have to be able to work with anybody, you know? Um, but when you get the guys that you really work well with, it's a pleasure. Like, I really work well with Hoodfoot. Whenever I get a match with uh, Schlack, it's always going to oh be. Oh, my gosh. Always going to be good. Because me and Schlack kind of the same mentality. We're like, fucking hit me. I'd rather you hit me than not hit me. Let's make it look good, and uh, it's just like a train wreck, you know. Uh, same thing with Matt Tremont. Matt Tremont is really big in the storytelling end of it. So me and him gel. Every match I've had with Tremont's been great. Uh, we've done a Barbara Cage. We've done CCW. He's done one of my no rings. Um, I'm a huge fan of him. So anytime I get to make someone that I that they feel like it's art, also we just kind of mentally get each other already. You, you know what I mean? So. Um, I look forward to those ones the most, but uh, you know, you as a wrestler, you're gonna have to wrestle some people that don't feel the same way you do and don't even like you. And sometimes you gotta make it work. You gotta be professional. And you go, okay, but really, what do you want to do? Tonight? You know what I mean? So um, that's just part of the game, you know. So there's so many different people who've who've really kind of come to light. I say recently, uh, just because they've been more exposed. Uh, Nick Gage, for example, he was on AEW Dynamite, and he did some stuff with Chris Jericho. And I know that there isn't a whole lot of crossover between the more, I guess you would call it, traditional wrestling versus your form of art. Do you feel like you would still enjoy and take opportunities outside of Deathmatch? Or do you feel like, you know what, I really want to stay in my wheelhouse? Well, that's the thing is, like you and me are talking because I'm 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 known I'm more known for deathmatch, but I'm a pro wrestler. I've been pro wrestling ten years. I work normal shows all the time. You know, they're just not those normal shows I do just aren't as publicized as the bigger deathmatch shows. It's just you wouldn't know. Like I wrestle NYWC shows. I do local Brooklyn shows. 
I'll wrestle in the church in front of 40 kids if I'm free. You know what I mean? It just, I'm more publicized and more known for the, the popular thing I do. You know what I mean? But I love taking normal matches. I love, I just started wrestling super kicked in Toronto, which is a very, very high level school. Uh, I would, I would equate them to evolve level of wrestling. Like they're that good. And the only reason I'm taking those bookings now is because I want to sharpen my tools. Like I am good at walking and talking. I'm good at keeping it Memphis. I'm good at bleeding. I'm good at having a bruiser Brody match. But if I want to make TV, I'm going to have to wrestle a guy that wants to call every single thing, you know, and that's just the way it is. You know, you you got to be good at everything. You got. If I want to wrestle a luchador, I got to be able to do stuff on the other side. If I want to wrestle a Japanese guy, I got to be able to cross language barrier. You know, if, my goal is to be the best wrestler I can be, and my end goal is to be the Mick Foley of WWE or the Biss of Impact. Like I'm the hardcore guy, but I can work anybody and have a compelling story. You know. So, yeah, I'm the guy who will do the death, but I'm willing to do it on TV. So that's my personal goal is to get on TV with it. Um, I would love to get on TV for a little bit anywhere, MLW, um, M N NWA, anything like that. Because um, I love doing deathmatch. I'll always do deathmatch. Um, but I would like to get, you know, just some more traction. I'd like to get a little bit more before this is all. I'm 35. I'm hanging it up at 40. Um, I got five more years, so I'd like to see what I could do with it before it's all said and done. Um, but I don't, in no way am I saying I'm above Deathmatch or I don't want to, I love Deathmatch and it's its own style, but, um, for me personally, I'd like to get on TV anywhere just a little bit, just so when this is all said and done, I knew that I was capable of it, you know, so we'll see how it goes. Let's talk a little bit about the lifestyle of, and we talked about this, you know, early when we we first started our conversation about travel and flights and being in different countries in the world and relationships and all the things that I feel like wrestling fans don't really focus on enough. I think it, it they're so hungry for the performances, but rarely do they understand or they see behind the curtain everything that you go through. And I feel like there's so much more that happens behind the curtain than what actually happens in front of it. Uh, how tough is it just emotionally, let's say, to continue to get yourself up for, for matches and whatnot, depending on what the heck life is, is like at home. Or like you said before, if you're trying to have a relationship um, and, and you're away so far, because I know long distance, uh, it cannot be an easy thing. It's hard, man. Uh, you know, it's it's just a, you know just trying to juggle your normal life for your wrestling life and trying to make everything work out. Um, I do a YouTube, I have a YouTube channel, and I do a vlog called Valentine Vision, where it's just like it's like a travel vlog. It follows my trips, but people don't realize they see me get power bombed through all those light tubes. But I'll have a piece of glass in me for six months that finally comes out. I pop it out. I still have a piece of glass th as big as a quarter of my ass from four years ago from a, a death match with uh, Reed Bentley in West Virginia. You know, people don't see the injuries I take. I, I wrestled Hoodfoot in Nor uh, New Orleans. He gave me a body slam on a table. My arm caught and I hyperextended my shoulder back. And I, my shoulder still isn't. That was December. And, uh, you know, I'm, I'm back in the gym lifting, but it's still not 100%. I'm right-handed. You know, um, I've broken this hand twice. I've had six broken ribs. I just 
I just took out four staples out of the back of my head a couple couple weeks ago. You know, so you just see the match, but you don't see the pain afterwards. You don't see that I'm carrying that bump with me for months. You, you know, you don't see the fact that I'm working, I'm working, and then I'm forcing myself to go to the gym, and I'm in pain, and then I gotta get on a flight. You think of how think of my schedule. I work Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, right? Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday. Go train Thursday. Get on a flight Friday. Get the shit kicked out of me. Go back to work on Monday. You, you, you know, and so that's when like. You know, fans are entitled to their opinion, and uh, totally, they're they're open. Like we're just out there performing, you know. But you know, sometimes we're like, "Get yeah, cast sucks. Cast cast can't wrestle." It's like you don't even know the amount of work I'm putting in. Like like for for you to just be like, "Nah, sucks," you know. You know, you know what I mean? Like you don't even know like the amount of sacrifice to make this happen, to make this a reality. The 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 reps, the time, the beatings, the 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 conversations the, the 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 big matches that are going to happen and they fall off. I was supposed to wrestle Sabu like three times. It didn't happen. Like the disappointment and still plugging ahead and or fucking you know you get ripped off on money. You know what I mean? Like it's it's fuck. It's like it's everything. You know, it's it's fulfilling and awful and great. It depressing, <laughs> you know, like it's it's everything, you know. But like the amount of work that goes in that people don't understand, like even to get to my level where I'm not even on TV, but I travel internationally. Like I I do UK, Canada. I'm going back to Australia, and I do all the country. Like every weekend, I fly somewhere new. Every single weekend, you know. So it's all the traveling with none of the TV money, you know. So it's it's hard, man. It, it, it's hard, but you have to, like I said before, you can't see the forest from the trees. You have to calm yourself and know that this is what you this is what you asked for. It's funny is if I could go back and see ten year old me, um, my family calls me Tori. Um, that's my nickname, and I'd see ten year old me and I go, Tori, you become a pro wrestler, you do it. You know, I'd also go, aim higher, motherfucker. <laughs> you should aim higher, man. This shit sucks. <laughs> let's let's talk a little bit about like family and whatnot i mean obviously family definitely cares and then they want to see what's best for you what was your family's take on all of this i mean obviously it sounds like they support you um what, what's that like i mean because that cannot be an easy thing well there's pros and cons of it um i was very fortunate that i'm the youngest of five children so my other siblings are successful um, they're, they're all, they're all older on the youngest, but, uh, they're all successful. But so by the time they got to me, they're like, just whatever you want to do, dude. Yeah. <laughs> I didn't have the weight of everything on, on my shoulders. I've got two brothers, two sisters. They're all married. Most of them have children of their own now, you know, you know, so by the time they got to me, they're like, do whatever you want, man. You know, um, and you know, my parents, they know how violent it is. They see my body, how drenched in scars I am, but they all knew this was what it was going to be. I was going to ECW shows at 10 and 11 and trading tapes. And I have so many Sabu autographs because I, I would, I would write to him as a little boy. I'd write to Sabu and he would send me shit. So I like, there was no way around this. <laughs> like it was, you know, plus the fact that I'm six foot three and 300 pounds. Like it, I was going to be a pro wrestler, dude. Like, it, you, you know, like it just, and my parents have been super supportive the whole time. Um, 
my mom's always like, when are you going to promote your own shows? And I'm like, I do. I do all these shows. And she's like, but they're not on TV. Uh, she doesn't get it yet, but uh, they're sweet. My mom will be like, how's the blood stuff going? You know? <laughs> um, Typical mom sweet. answer. Yeah, they're very sweet. They're supportive. They know they know I'm chasing a unique thing, but luckily for me, like my my mom and dad were both artists. They all and my grandfather was an artist, so um this has been kind of like a family family talent. So they, they can see the art side of it too. So I I'm very fortunate that my family supports it. They might not understand it all the time, but they're cool with it. So you say you're going to hang it up at 40. In, in wrestling, us fans, we know we are smart enough to know <laughs> that it always pulls you back. Uh, so uh, never say never. But I feel like you've lived 10 lifetimes in wrestling. So I feel like if you say it's going to happen, if a deathmatch wrestler says I'm going to be done at a certain point, I think we all should respect that announcement. I, I'm not going to set a date in stone yet, but here's the thing. I've had 75 no-ring deathmatches, and so I want to hit 100 which I'm, I will soon. It won't take me that long, you know, because now I do them so often. I've got a no-ring death match in Maryland. So just this weekend, I got a no-ring death match in Maryland Saturday. Then I wrestle Cruel at ICW in the Chains Sunday. And then I don't remember what I have next weekend. But um, but I just, I just, this weekend, I just did Houston, Texas. Came back from Houston, Texas, and I just came back from, uh, where was I? Uh, Detroit. So I just did Houston. Detroit, and now I've got Maryland and Boston this weekend. So, like, you know, I'm constantly going. I go back to the U.K. in June. I go to Australia in October, you know. Um, so I'd like to hit 100 no-ring matches, which I'm pretty close to doing already. Um, I've only had one no-ring barbed wire. I'd like to hit 20 of those before I'm Ooh. done. And I've only won one tournament. I'd like to work – I'd like to win five of those. So we'll see if I hit my goals. And also – I'd like to go to Mexico and Japan still. So I've got some goals for myself. We'll see. Um, I just don't know how cool it is to be fighting people in bars in my late 40s, you know. But I don't know. That's what I'm saying now. We'll see. We'll cross that bridge when we get there. Who knows? Maybe I'll get really jacked and it'll, it'll look cool. I don't know. Right now, I don't know. <laughs> Have you ever had anybody reach out to you like a Mick Foley or like somebody maybe in Abyss or you've, you've had conversations with them and and just kind of said, hey, this is kind of where my mind is at. What are your thoughts on on how to tell your story versus how you choose to tell yours? I'm very fortunate that I have slight contact with Mick Foley. Uh, he, a friend of mine, works with him personally. Um, I don't know if I can say what they do or whatever, but um, a friend of mine works with him personally. And so Mick's seen a lot of my promos. We've, he, we've talked on the phone. Um, he's a fan of what I do, which is cool. I mean, like this, I mean, the coolest, you know, um, he's given me advice. I've sent him some promos. He told me what he thought, you know, um, but I've been able to get some advice from them. I, I'd love to try to get, do more with, with Mick if I could, you know, um, but we'll see, we'll see what happens. Um, I've been very fortunate that I've been able to get the ear of a couple of people I, I highly respect, and to give me feedback that I, I needed, you know, um, I, uh, that's all I can do is keep trying to get better, keep pushing it. Like just recently, I would say that I feel like I'm hitting my prime right now. Um, I think I'm the best I've ever been. I've been training again a lot. Um, I train at the fallout shelter in uh, Long Island city with Mike law. 
Um, and I'm just fine-tuning my skills right now. I, I've been adding a lot of, like, aerial maneuvers. Uh, I've been working on some new throws. I, I, I've been working on a lot of more concepts for storytelling and ways to convey things. Um, I just really, it's, it's really clicking right now. Like, I I feel totally, con like, I, um, I was really lucky. I got to wrestle Mills Morte one time. And I want more matches like that. I want more Mills Mortes. I want more PCOs. I want more like uh, Andy Williams. You know, yeah, like Chris Dickinson. I want like some. I want matches where I can show I can go, and that are big tough guy matches. You know what I mean? Like I can do the death, but I, when I think of Necro Butcher, he was wrestling everybody. You know, he was wrestling. You know, Loki and Daniels. You know, like. I want to be able to be the one deathmatch guy that stands out who can go with everybody, you know? So that's my new, that's what I want to try to get more of coming up soon. What, what are you going to do uh, one day when you're, when you're not doing this? I mean, I know it's, it's hard to think about, but what, what does Cass do once uh, you're do done? You? Uh, you want children, you think, down the road? Is that something well, that you're... Well, I know, first of all, I'd be the coolest dad ever. <laughs> I I would I would not doubt that for a second. But one of my long term plan is, and I'll tell you, I'm sure someone will, you know, try to do what I'm doing. But I'm going to do it. It's going to be cool. But my my goal is to open a pro wrestling themed dive bar in Brooklyn, and it will be called Heel Turn Saloon. And I'm going to have all memorabilia, street art. I'm going to light wheat paste Andre the Giant in the wall so you can take a picture of how tall he was. I'm going to have monitors playing old WrestleManias and, you know, old luchadors. And I'm going to have go-go dancers wearing luchador masks. And it's just going to be <laughs> a really sleazy biker bar that's all pro wrestling theme. And hopefully I'll have a big enough name in wrestling by the time I retire that I can get, like, wrestlers to come in and do signings. And instead of it being a toy store, it's a bar. You know what yes. I mean? Like, so... It's just like how I did with wrestling, it's hard to get someone to go to a brightly lit middle school and just bring them to a cool bar. Instead of trying to get all these guys that meet and greets at a toy store, let's just bring them to a cool-ass bar. You know, we can all be adults about it, you know? I, I don't think anyone should doubt you at this point in time because you've paved your own way once before. I feel like you're the type of person who's going to reinvent himself time and time again and go after it until you got it. So I, I have a lot of confidence in all your future endeavors if uh, we want to use thank that you. phrase <laughs> thank you very much man there's so many things i would love to get to we are pressed up against the clock here but the one thing i do want to do is where can people find your merchandise where can people go ahead and uh follow your blog and subscribe to it give us all the details so all of your fans can know where to go sure i'm actually wearing one of my own shirts right now uh i have a shop at the indieconnection.com the indieconnection.com just go under wrestling is Casino Valentine. I have all my shirts on there. I have long sleeve shirts. I have uh, hoodies. I have stickers. Um, I also have some shirts on pro wrestling tees. Um, just not all of them, but I have some shirts on pro wrestling tees also. If uh, you like to use those, I know that they have sales all the time. Um, on YouTube, Casino Valentine, my channel will come up. Um, I post free matches all the time. In fact, I don't know of any other wrestler that books his own show, produces his own show, and releases free shows like I do. I really don't know who... Maybe Zicky Dice is the is like the closest to me, but I release a free... And also, I sometimes will book 
like I'll have venues hit me up uh, no ring death match but I'm already booked I'll get two of my friends to do it and I'll have them booked under my promotion so I just did a biker fight with two of my buddies uh, had them fill in for me so I'm constantly releasing free matches um, if you go to my YouTube channel I've all the original no rings I did that got me famous at the tender trap they're all on YouTube for free the match that's on vice is on there for free um, you can watch all my stuff and then I have Valentine vision which is my travel vlog it's dude it's me traveling all over you see me pulling tax out of my head you see us drinking afterwards you see the you see the goods uh, so it's all the behind the scenes you kind of see us traveling getting on a plane blood coming on my head I'm trying to cover it up you know um, <laughs> so Valentine vision the free matches they're on um, my YouTube page just switch cast on Valentine it'll come up I also run a promotion called New Fear City. So on IWTV, if you look up New Fear City, those the shows I don't release for free, I uh, put together, edit them together for a nice little little pay per view. I had four of the New Fear City shows that are up for free on IWTV. Um, the last Murder Mania that I just did in Dallas Mania Week is on Title Fight. Um, we were trying to get some streaming. There was some. You know, I just seems drama with uh, some some promotions blocking streaming. You know who you are. Uh, <laughs> so we had a last minute get title fight to stream the show. So Murder Mania, it's me versus Tony Nese, my trainer who's on AEW, who agreed to do a death match with me. It's a very good match. If you watch it, it's on Title Fight right now. So Title Fight Network, you can watch Last Murder Mania. You can watch the rest of all the other New Fear City shows on IWTV. You can watch free matches on my YouTube channel. Just switch Cash on Valentine. Merch at the Indie Connection and Pro Wrestling Tees. And if you want to follow me on Instagram, it's MC Death Bear. I know it doesn't match anything else, but I used to spray paint and tag as MC Death Bear. Um, and that's why I post up in coming shows, upcoming events. And my Twitter, which I think is Black Death Cast, I think. I don't know. I get banned a couple times, so <laughs> it's like I had to rename. I had to make a new. What is it? Uh, it okay. is. Yes, at Black Death Cast. You are correct. Okay, so I'm on Twitter at Black Death Cast. <laughs> but yeah, um, follow me there. I always post upcoming shows. Um, I'll go ahead. I haven't announced it yet, but I'll announce it on your show right now. How about that? June 17th, great. the Gift of Blood, New Fear City returns to Brooklyn. It's going to be main evented by Hoodfoot vs. Slade. I haven't even told anyone this. Mwah! Exclusive Breaking right news. here. Yeah, and then July 3rd. Um, it's going to be the return of the the Great American Trash, my Fourth of July show I do every year, um, and I'm wrestling uh, someone I really respect who's coming coming out of retirement for me. So I'll announce that soon. Very exciting stuff. Uh, thank you so much for having me, and thank my girlfriend for letting me do this promo in in her lovely new apartment. So it was very I nice. was I was just going to say the pleasure is all mine, and, and you. <laughs> You express yourself so well and so eloquently, and you've explained to our audience everything that you do, and there's so much more. We just kind of scratched the surface. Is there any chance we could twist your arm to uh, to come back and do a part two? Sure, anytime. You let me know. Um, I'm usually free during the week at night, so let me know. We'll, we'll make it work. All right, man. Thank you so much. We'll talk to you down the road. Thank you so much for having me, and uh, we'll talk soon. Sounds <laughs> good. Cool. Valentine. <laughs> Casanova Valentine, guys. So much fun to get a chance to talk to somebody who's traveled the world and who has really done things his way, if we want to steal a line from Frank Sinatra. Deathmatch Wrestling, once again, as we talked about, whether you're a, a WWE fan or an AEW fan or an old school 
uh, ECW fan or an FMW fan as well. It's just depending on what you like. And I think the beauty of what I'm learning right now about deathmatch wrestling is there is so much storytelling and psychology as, as Cass went into it. I mean, it's not just a bunch of guys that are going out there just hurting yourself helter-skelter. And I love the fact when he said, you know, if people act that way, we're not going to work with them again. And you got to be careful about the audience. And it's about getting people captivated and telling your story. Coming from a, two parents who are artists, grandfather in the art industry, you can just tell the way his mind works. I mean, graphic novels, the comics, video games. He's got a mind for telling stories and captivating audiences. And he's paved his own way. And I think that's so exciting. Guys, follow him on all those forms of social media. I'm going to plug all of the outlets as well. Uh, this was great. We got an inside scoop as well. I thought that was awesome. But definitely support wrestling. That's the only thing I can tell you right now. You love wrestling. You love Cass. Go ahead and support him. Buy a t-shirt. Buy a sticker. And definitely, when you go over and watch those matches on YouTube, hit the subscribe button. Let's get those subscriber numbers up there because if you love wrestling, put some money in their pockets for everything they do for us, for all the sacrifice for us. And I don't mean just blood. I mean time on the road, time away from family, friends, and significant others. They give that to us because they love it so very much. So show love back to them. All right. With that being said, I am Mike Freeland. It has been so much fun. We will catch you next week on Front Row Material. The world of